0: Everybody, welcome back to the Eternal Leadership Podcast, and I was recently at the National Speaker Association, the Colorado Chapter event, and I sat next to a woman who just had this incredible energy about her, and Dale, you do. Dale Wilshire, welcome to the podcast, first of all.
1: Thanks so much, John. It's great to be here.
0: And as we got talking, uh, let me share a little bit about Dale's background. You're a light professional. Life and Strengths Coach, Motivational Speaker. And if anybody out there has heard of the DISC, D-I-S-C, Personality Profile, it can be really helpful, really powerful. That's something that you really focus on because what you and I were talking about, and you'd worked with a good friend of ours, Dick Brusso. he had helped me come up with our entire company and our focus on Beyond Influence on the leadership training we're doing to really have a Kingdom Influence. You just had this incredible passion for powering people in their authenticity of their true personality, especially women. Absolutely. And you say this in your bio here that you don't come across as a science geek. But that is so true because you have a bachelor's in, if I can say this, invertebrate zoology from the University of Georgia. And also you worked in microbiology and medical sales before you Hung up your briefcase for full time motherhood, and you and your four daughters. You live here in Colorado, where I am. You're up in the Boulder area, uh, and you know part of what we're going to be talking about today, and I think it's so important, is like your authentic personality, the one that you were given, the one that you were created, the one when God knew you before the foundation of the world, and He knit you together. Yeah, every single one of us has differences that need to be celebrated versus saying, how come I'm not that way? Or I'm expected to show up this way or this are the values or personalities that I need for this situation that I should have and I'm not quite there. And for a lot of us, it creates a lot of conflict and discontent and kind of being stuck in the status quo. And the status yeah. quo is not our friend. The status quo, if we allow ourselves to stay there Uh, An old mentor of mine, Dale, used to say, when you're green, you're growing, and when you're ripe, you're rotting. There's no plateau. There's no just steady state in life. We're either getting better or improving or moving forward, or we're decaying, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Right? And Mm -hmm. I think connecting to that authentic self, that true personality, is a huge part of staying green and keeping Mm -hmm. growing. But what I'd like to do is, before we get into some amazing things here, uh, and you also just wrote a book. Called What's Your Mom Type So this is coming out in advance of Mother's Day And whether you're, regardless of whether you're a mother or not uh, You're a guy out there listening This is going to be a conversation you absolutely need to hear But Dale, let me turn it over and just share a little bit about Kind of your journey and your story leading up to what you're doing now
1: Yeah. Well, like you said, I uh, after I worked for a while, I found that um, while I had a scientific interest, I did not have the personality for graduate level work. I was doing a Ph.D. in molecular biology and wondering what was wrong with me because everybody loved to work by themselves. And no one was very social, and I couldn't stand that it was all theoretical. And I started asking myself that question that many of us do when we live out of our weaknesses is, what's wrong with me? Why can't I be like everyone else? So that actually started a journey for me on finding environments that actually would be a good fit, that while In that situation, I was a square peg in a round hole. God eventually showed me that there are places that uh, where fits for me. So there was a little bit of a pause when I took time to raise my kids. I have four daughters, three in college, One, getting ready to graduate from uh, Georgia Tech in another week. So we are thrilled um, with that. And as I got back into the work world about five or six years ago, what I found was that there was a lot of focus on my weaknesses, what I couldn't do, where I lacked, and I honestly heard that a lot in the church, that there's certain ways we like our women. And being my particular personality type, that was a little harsh, a little rough for um, what the meek and mild, you know, ideal would have been. And, and Was so, that the
0: message, how we like our women to you? Yeah, was...
1: pretty much. Like there are of the four personality types that we find in the disc, and the four that I talk about in the book, two are classically feminine in the way our culture sees femininity and two are classically masculine. Although God does not distribute that way. You know, he has men and women on all different types. And so mine just happened to land on the masculine side. So mostly I would be told to tone it down and to soften up and you know, maybe be a greeter and uh throw in some hospitality. So those weren't actually wearing were my strengths. Or why um, don't you
0: volunteer for the nursery or the, you know, the preschool class? And
1: Yeah. Man, I can run a VBS like nobody's business, but I also have some <laughs> other skills that I just found that in the world that I lived in were not being seen for them for themselves as strengths. And so There in the church where I wasn't really encouraged to use my strengths, I found that that wasn't going to help me in the work world to be my authentic self. And there was something in me that was crying out to be who I thought God made me, but another part of me that thought that maybe it was the old self, that the new self would be much more meek and mild. And so this created um, just a desperate need in me to understand personality and human behavior And to be able to live out of that authentically, because I see personality as the way that we are made in God's image, that we, you know, get a slice of God's image. His personality is way too vast to be contained in any one person. And so what he did was he gave us a slice. And that's where human behavior comes in the study of these four different types. So I call them four different types of normal. And it's important because the slice that we were given usually gives us a perspective on the world and an approach and, and a way to be motivated in life. But we need to also understand there are three other approaches. There are an infinite amount of blends between these and certainly some of the uniqueness that comes about through influence and experience. But I wanted to know what I brought. So, I, A, I wouldn't be jealous of other people because I cannot work in community on teams or in the body of Christ, if all I'm wanting to do is be someone else. I can't appreciate what other people bring because it's not what I have. And so I found that through the study of this and understanding what my strengths were and the strengths of other types, that it has really caused the women that I work with to stand in greater confidence, to be able to steward um, all of the gifts that they bring and to have words to really affirm a lot of their values. I usually find 75% of a person's values line up with their unique slice. And so it's a part of understanding what we were created to do. I say it's like a suitcase packed long before you were born for the journey that you would be on. He knew exactly what we would need.
0: (laughs) Well, I love that. You know, you shared with me one of your biggest challenges, and I can hear it in some of the things that you said was, especially in the field that you'd chosen, of thinking of the personality that you had or that you were struggling with as this curse rather than this mm-hmm. blessing, right? Yes. And that you were kind of in this mode of valuing the strengths of others and overlooking kind of your own. And I, could you share a little bit about that transition from looking at your own personality differently and what it took to do that over time?
1: Yeah, and it was a journey. It goes way back for me in that often, you know, parents tend to affirm the personality types that are like themselves or they're more pleasing. And (laughs) what I found with mine is mine is more the personality type of adolescence. It's more defiant. It's more about overcoming obstacles and who wants a little warrior in your home. So it started early that I saw that through that lens. And It was affirmed through years of some of the relationships that I was in that would bring out the negatives rather than the positives. And so it took quite a while for me. It started when someone introduced me to the study of the temperaments, uh, which then led to disc theory and seeing that for each weakness, there was a strength that had gone too far. I had never related my weaknesses to sourcing from a
0: strength. Can you share an example of that?
1: Yeah. Like, for example, as a D on the disc, that's the smallest portion of the population. It's a decisive, direct, dominant, you know, like nothing you want to be as a college girl who wants a date. Like, Nobody's going to sign up for direct, dominant, and decisive. So that's where I hid from that. But in being direct, I am bottom line. I like things to come quickly. And um, if that goes too far, it can be rude. My girls all the time, when they text me, they'll send me some long text, and I often text them back with the letter K, which means – thanks so much for sharing. I got it. I'm on it. Roger that. Have a great day. But I can do that all in one letter because I don't want to waste their time. I'm all about results. And they know that. But they were standing next to me at one point when someone had sent me a text, a friend, I texted back my usual K and they called me and they said, are you mad at me? I said, no, why? (laughs) They said, because you said K. And my children were like, You don't do that to other people, do you, Mom? You've got to throw in some emojis on these texts. You've got to soften this stuff up. So, you know, my desire to be direct with people as a way of respecting their time. And it can often become rude and make people think they're not worthy of my time. So that happens with all four. If you are naturally focused on relationships and being approachable and being flexible because you're all about community, then it can quickly evolve into something that might be enabling of bad behavior because you let things slide so much to stay in community with people. So every single one, and I talk about this in the book, I talk about where it sources from. Strengths that are underused are simply potential, but strengths that have gone too far are now in the category of weaknesses, which is, to me, that was revolutionary, is that I was not supposed to be something else. I was supposed to get God's help to manage my weaknesses and kind of bring them back into alignment.
0: Yeah, and when you're in the D quadrant, right, you're definitely more in kind of a transactional mindset, right? You want to be efficient, you want to get stuff done, And those relational people that want to talk about their weekend and their day and their kids tend to drive you crazy. Yes. And I see this in business all the time. Uh, a friend of mine wrote a book on it. It's called Relational Leadership, right, where the relationship side of things and transactional side of things come together. Because those relationship people, right, it's not that they don't want to get work done, but they really, you know, the relationship piece is always preeminent. And they Absolutely. do sit there and want to have a chat that can actually yeah. in a workplace, any organization, a church a family create conflict. If I don't really understand when you text me, Kay, Absolutely. that you're right. actually saying, I love you. I got it. Thanks for the information. Right. right. For some people right. that are very relational, especially if they really haven't understood maybe their own personality that can come across as, you know, all of a sudden now I start a conflict
1: absolutely right
0: i become a wounded yeah. avoider so i think you know understanding not only our personalities but how our personality interacts with others even because so, I'm more transactional. Uh-huh. I had to explain to people around me that, you know what, if I'm in the middle of doing something and you want to come in and just talk, I'm really not trying to be rude because I focused on getting something done. And I'm a guy and I know my limitations. Like it takes me a while to kind of get really dialed in and focused when I'm working on a project. And if somebody comes in and wants to chat, it takes me 20, 30, 40 minutes to kind of get back to that same level of productivity. Yeah. yeah. Right? So I was constantly right in this... So, yeah, you know, people around me either, you know, they, there are times they thought I showed up and it was just the nicest guy ever. And other times I thought like, wow, he's having a bad day. He's rude. He was just short. I wonder, right. does he not like, you know, what I'm doing, the kind of work that I'm doing as I work for him. So it creates conflict, not only internally, but externally.
1: And it creates a lot of judgment. And I've talked to more people who say, how do I even get out of this place of judgment Because they're only seeing things through their lens and they don't know how to see it. And one of the ways that I've talked about is if you look at that um, task versus relationship as a priority, it's also the way that God's love is divided up, that the relational side are the people who lead with grace, which is absolutely one side of God's love. But there's another side of God's love, and that is his truth. That is the structure, those are the logistics, those that's the bones that all of his holiness hangs on. And so we need to understand that both are needed. It's really easy to see our side as the preferred side and then it creates conflict with other, but to understand that we need them. Because this whole message about having a slice is that we get to be a slice, we get to be one member of the body because we need all of the other members. If we are to do God's work we are all required. And if we believe the lie that being made in God's likeness somehow elevates to being like the most high, which is where it all fell apart in Genesis 3, and so we need to be very comfortable, I believe, In our um, desire, in the way that he made us to be a portion. Portions need other portions.
0: Yeah. There was a turning point for you, and I'm guessing that just this internal struggle around kind of your own personality. You said you were in church and it was dark in the service and you'd been crying, and somebody came up to you and handed you a note. Do you remember that? I do, yeah. And so, what at that point, you were sitting there in the service, what was causing such emotion?
1: Well, I think feeling like I must have done something wrong because life was so hard and Mm. maybe my personality was getting in the way and it was overwhelming. And I remember at that time, a woman spoke God's words to me through this note. And one of the pieces of that season was to say that if God had not made me a doer, which is what I call them in the book, the D, then I would have never been able to get through that season in my life, a season where I have full custody of a lot of children. And because they're girls, they'll tell you everything they think. And there is high drama and there's a lot of needs. And most of them are extroverts. So there's a lot of energy and feeling like it was the first time in a long time that I thought it's good to be me. It's good that God made me this way because I don't think I could get through this and carry my children with me if I wasn't the way he made me, there is goodness. And it was powerful because I think it's the difference for me in feeling liked versus feeling loved. That Mm. in our lives, many people tell us they love us. And I don't doubt that they do, but oftentimes that comes with judgment or a sense that we don't please them, but they love us. And I think it's radically different when someone says, or you get the sense that they like you. And that's when I thought, God likes who I am. He chose it for me. He made me like him. And I got very clear during that time on how I uniquely reflected certain things about him that others did not. Mm. And it did not make me feel one up. It just made me feel like I had something very significant to contribute and I needed to bring it. If I hid my weaknesses, I would also hide my strengths, which meant I hid parts of him.
0: Yeah, and that note because you sent this to me, and I thought it was really powerful. Just and just think about the impact we can have in other people's lives. Because you know, we all kind of get these nudges, and somebody handed you this note that said, "God wants you to know He's seen your tears and will answer your prayers." And I'm guessing that really gave you some real hope, didn't it?
1: It did, because in my personality type, it's very independent and it's part of the agency that I bring, which is great, but we know that that can take us far away from God. And I think feeling like he was right there and I was not on my own, which is one of the lies of my type, that it was powerful to feel like he was still very close and looking after me, still gave me a lot of strength and power but will always be stronger and more powerful than me. It's a yeah. beautiful feeling.
0: Yeah. And you know, where you're at now as a mom and you have uh, daughters with and you just shared, you know, very different personalities and you've seen, you know, these different areas, right. It's given you a glimpse of kind of really who you are and you're about to get married. Congratulations. Yes, and you, and you're also with a man who loves you for who you are, who you were created to be. So All this great stuff is happening now. And then it's on your heart to write a book. And the book is called What's Your Mom Type? What kind of prompted you to create a personality book for mothers?
1: Well, I think this need that I saw, I had been coaching and speaking to women for years. A lot of women of various ages, but then I would speak to a lot of moms groups. And I found that... For mothers, a lot of times they were very clear on what their strengths were when they were working, but as soon as they added a child, it all kind of went blurry. They felt like they were buried under mounds of laundry and dirty dishes, and um, and it wasn't at all clear what their strengths were. They were doing a job that lots of other women were doing, and comparisons kick in very quickly. So what I wanted to do was bring some of the same level of professional development that I got to do with the disc training when I would work with nonprofits and other companies, I wanted to bring that to mothers to give them a sense of their definition in their role. I would find that some mothers would be doers or improvers, those are the two classically masculine, that's D's and C's on the disc, in their work world. But when they came home, they wouldn't bring that with them. They felt like they were too harsh. And so they tried to be somebody else in their home and then they felt insufficient there. So I wanted to show them how they were leaders in their homes. So there's a section on their leadership skills based on their particular type, because some are more approachable leaders. Some are more energizing leaders. It's all a little different. And I want women to feel very confident that God made no mistake when he designed them for the work they would do out in the world, as well as the work they would do in their home, that their greatest strengths are going to come from that base layer of their authentic personality. So I wanted to affirm and encourage and just bring something a little different to that particular role, regardless of how much time she spends in it.
2: We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. You've heard that old Harry Truman quote, leaders are readers, right? Well, John and I are big fans of a service that we subscribed to last year called Blinkist. Blinkist provides summaries of many of the top books on the market. Each book summary is divided into short blinks, hence the name Blinkist, and most of the summaries you can read in less than 15 minutes. If you're interested in leadership, check out the seven habits of highly effective people. Or if you want to brush up on your marketing, how about Purple Cow by Seth Godin? Check out a Blinkist 7-day free trial so you can have access to the entire library of more than 2,500 summaries. Their app is well-designed and you can export the summaries to your Kindle or you can do what I do is listen to the audio while I'm reading the Blinks before bed to get that extra reinforcement of those ideas. If that sounds interesting to you, you can find our affiliate link embedded in the summary of this MP3 or go to eternalleadership.com slash Blink. That's eternalleadership.com slash blink by using that link. It's an easy way for you to help support the costs associated with producing this show. I love Blinkist. John loves Blinkist. And we are confident that most of our listeners will love them too. Like I said, the link is embedded in the summary of this MP3 or go to eternalleadership.com slash blink. Thanks.
0: Could you share more? That's an interesting point you just made. Our strengths at working. And I know my wife definitely struggled with kind of that transition Mm-hmm. But you also said their leadership skills and how mm-hmm. that applies in the role as mom.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And could
0: you say more about that?
1: Yeah. So just another kind of outsourcing of their personality is how they lead. For example, you know, the S on the desk, and I call them the stabilizers because they really keep our world steady and calm and consistent. They're the biggest portion of the population, but they typically don't see themselves as leaders compared to their opposite, who is the D on the disc. And a lot of times you're married to your opposite. So they will often say, you know, I just am, you know, the mom, it's my husband who's the strong leader. My kids respect him, my kids obey him. He brings a lot of, you know, there's that transactional piece, the task piece. And they miss that what they're leading with is more of that approachable, balanced leadership. That that is a leadership style that they will lead their children on the power of the care that they have for them and the relationship that they've built. And I want them to know that, you know, as soon as they became a mom, they became a leader in their home. There's some little person now following them. And so to be able to bring that particular style, God chose it for their family. Knowing everything they would do really well and what they couldn't do at all, that is the style. The other one, the high eye on the desk is the connector. They're always the social butterfly. And they lead with a lot of energy and they lead with the um, desire to connect them with people outside the home. And that's a flavor God wants added. It's no better than the other types, but it's part of God's design for their home. So this just, speaks to that part of, I think it's Hebrews 10, where he says, you know, Mm. do not throw your confidence away. And confidence can get diluted when we feel like we need to be all things to all people. It can get morphed when we feel like we're supposed to be something else. And that will always steal our confidence. And I want every person to be able to stand in confidence and steward what they have been given.
0: Yeah. And I think we both share a favorite verse in common, which is you know John ten ten right that Satan yeah. came to you know steal yeah. our lives away, but Jesus came to give us life so that we could live it to the full, and I think part you know we 're talking about right now is such a huge part of that because when we 're out of alignment right with how we perceive and show up in the world with who we were created to be. You're not going to be able to achieve that full life. I like to say, you know, that life fully alive. And you know, you've mentioned, you know, for people that aren't familiar, right, the desk, there's these four primary areas. But in your book, you talk about kind of the four mom types. Can you kind of share what those are and maybe some uh, when people identify um, with maybe that area that you're talking about, maybe some things they should know about that?
1: Mm-hmm. I'll start with the introverts, which is the way I do the book, because nobody starts with the introverts. We always start with the more powerful extroverts. But the two more introverted types, one is the stabilizer, and on the disc, it's the S, and one is the improver, and on the disc, it's the C. Those two are um, more private in nature, again, a little bit slower in the way that they act toward things. And it's usually so they can be deliberate. You know, they want to not make mistakes. They would like to slow down to care for people. So it doesn't mean that they're just slow, although the D's will always see them as slow. But one, the stabilizer is more about people and the C, the improver, is more about the task. So I try to name these according to what they bring to their family. And it's helpful. The improver is there to bring excellence. And sometimes they can have a very high bar. They always have to watch that. That's, A strength that can go south where they can get too picky or go into perfectionism, but their heart is always to bring out something better in someone else. Our editors are always improvers. You know, the people who've spent a long time in law school and medical school, a lot of times, that's a generality, but a lot of times there are improvers and they just have this eye for beauty and they see beauty and perfection, whether that's something artistic or something like an accountant seeing a perfect result, but they want to improve. And the stabilizer on the people side, they really just want to care for people. They are nurturers and caretakers at heart. They're diplomats in the way they are peaceful, and they always want to think about other people. So they are the glue that holds their families together. If you have a stabilizer in your family, when the kids are teenagers, you're going to be grateful. Because when everybody wants to go their own way and everybody has an opinion, the stabilizer will – find a way to hold them together they're very family oriented so the other two are the doer and the connector and the doer is similar to the improver in that they are on the task side so they are more public in nature which is part of extroversion i'd say they're more like sprinters and the introverts are more like marathoners. They just wanna do it hard and fast. That's why they're kind of a powerful burst of energy. And they will always prioritize making an impact on people. They are motivating, they are organized, they're typically very multitasking because their brains can switch quickly between tasks. And they are large and in charge. A lot of times they really, you know, will be elevated to those positions. The connector on the other side of that extroverted role, this is the people-based one. So their main function in life is to connect to people, which is what Jesus came to do. I can give you verses for how Jesus is all of these things, because he's the whole pie as Colossians 2.9 talks about, but the connector, they want to bring out the lightness of God and they want to show their family that they care for them in a personal nature. They make it fun. They bring a lot of joy and optimism. They're very futuristic and visionary. So way different um, ways of looking at life with all four of these. And typically people have a major and a minor And a minor often covers a multitude of sins, which is nice. You know, if you're highly tasked, you get a little more people or you're highly extroverted, you get a little bit more of the introversion. So that is a unique part of the blend. And then, of course, like I said, they say personality is 50-50, 50% 50 DNA, which is what I'm always looking for, what's the base layer, but then 50% influence and experience. They say usually up till the age of, say, 16 or 18.
0: So if I go to your website, which is yourauthenticpersonality.com, dot uh-huh. com, right? So for people out there, it's yourauthenticpersonality.com. dot com, and there's a mom quiz there. It's nine questions, so it's easy to take. Uh-huh. So if somebody goes there, they hear this uh-huh. and they go and they go, okay, I'm I'm in, you know, I'm an improver, I'm a connector, I'm so now I understand that. What's what are some of the next steps once I'm starting yeah. to actually kind of see how I'm wired, my personality type?
1: Yeah, that's step one. And we find that that quiz, because it is so short and it was meant to be that short and fun, usually reveals your major or your minor. Although occasionally some people are bringing different types of qualities to their parenting that don't exist in their personality. So we always like to root that out. So From there, there's a lot of great information on the blog where they can click on their type and they can find out more about them, what their self-care needs are, a little bit like the love languages, you know, your personality speaks to what your deepest needs are. So as a mom, certain Mm. things will stress you, and of course this is everybody on the planet, but certain things will stress you. It's very helpful to understand, so this is on the blog as well. Know what those are so you can apply a little bit more grace to yourself in a season that is going to be hard for you and maybe no one around you to understand that. But then also what are some of the deepest needs that you might have with God and, you know, in the way he made you. So those are on there too. Um, There's a slice sheet under a resource section where you can just read 20 positive characteristics of your type. And that is a piece of what really turned it for me was seeing my slice in a positive bent. I had only heard it referred to in the negative. I had never seen it for the beauty and purpose behind what it might bring. And so that is something that You know, As I looked at my type, I really, as a coach, would ask myself the questions, how can I bring more of that out? So those kinds of things are getting asked in the book if you want a little bit deeper dive. There are e-books on there if you just want to look at your type, if you want to know what your spiritual discipline is, that would really get to the heart of what you need because each one has a specific one to start with that is very helpful. So that's on there as well as there's a sweet letter um, that everybody ends up putting in their Bible. It's a letter from your heavenly father that I wrote to speak God's words over you, that what he loves about you and the way he created you, but also to remember that he doesn't need us to be any of these things. We're only that because he's gifted us with this, that What often happens is our worth and value becomes tied to these, whether we're aware of it or not. And when he prunes, when he's doing some of the biggest work that he usually does in our lives, these are some of the things he takes away are the things that feel like they're most us. And so to be able to speak to the fact that while as a stabilizer, you might be able to bring peace, God does not need you to do that because he is the peace of the world. You know, As an improver, while you may be able to bring a lot of perfection, God is the one who is perfect and who is ultimately holy. He doesn't need you to be that. You get to be imperfect. You know, as a connector, there are times you can't make people happy, even though you have nothing but joy and positivity. But that's okay, because God is the light of the world. He doesn't need you to be it. And same with doers that, you know, apart from him, we can do nothing. He doesn't need our effort. He is everything that we need. So there's this piece of understanding what we bring, but not to Rest our hat on it for our identity. It is our personality. It is not our identity.
0: Ooh, I think that's such a great distinction, right? This is kind of how we show up in the world. But if that then becomes our identity, Mm -hmm. then we're going to start having problems. If my identity is... Let's say, you know, I'm just thinking of a stabilizer, right? Caring for people, nurturing them. And all of a sudden, my kids start making some bad decisions. Absolutely. right? They decide not to go to college. They, you know, things, you know, stuff yeah. happens. All of a sudden, I see myself as a mom or even a dad as a mm-hmm. failure. Yes. Because my exactly. kids didn't turn out the way that I thought I was supposed to help enable.
1: Exactly. And if and that's if
0: you- my identity, all of a sudden, man, yeah. I'm, that's a problem. Yes.
1: So we have those videos on the website as well. So we have a picture for each type. And if you click on those, there's about a minute and a half video with what I call your top five superpowers. So what often happens is we overlook what our strengths are because we're so familiar with them. With that phrase, familiarity breeds contempt. I think, you know, it also just breeds blindness. We think everybody has what we have because we're so familiar with it. But to bring out that that's who you are. But it also speaks to that worth and value piece, because what happens is we apply it to others. If I can't alleviate someone's pain, which is a lot of times how stabilizers feel, mm. they are there to care and absorb pain. That's why I see a lot of nurses and people in the healthcare industry who are stabilizers because they desire to take care of people that way. So if they can't do that, who are they? And God may not be as proud of them. Um, they don't feel as acceptable before Him as they once did when they were able to make life easier for people. And yet, as you said, that's not at all the case. So while they're gifts that he gave us to steward, it's important that we not rest on those. And some of that journey, I don't know that we can speed up. I think that's part of God's journey for each one of us. But to be aware when it's happening, that if you're a connector and you can't make people happy, you know, people are depressed, people are sad, and you're just wanting them to be happy.
0: And people have, you know, there's stuff in their life that's going on that, you know what, a Cheerful conversation is not going to change the circumstances of.
1: And that is a classic conflict between the connector and the improver. I see it all the time with my daughters. I've got one who is always wanting to show the silver lining. And the opposite is like, you need to stop rushing me to happy. This is serious stuff. You don't get me. You don't understand. You're making light of it. So to understand where each one's coming from, one's coming from a place of depth, and one from a place of light, and they need to find a good balance.
0: That just reminded me. What's that movie about the different personality types and the happy? Uh, oh,
1: Inside Out.
0: Inside Out. Yeah. Yes. Yes.
1: Use a quote from that book because I'm speaking to moms. It's classic. Yeah, the connectors, they just want to be all happy. They called her joy in the movie. Yes, They think it's really because I think when God gets a hold of your personality and infuses it, that happy actually becomes joy. It becomes richer and deeper because he will probably take you through some suffering to get you there. Mm -hmm. But that is a better way to connect to people. You will connect to them in more broad ways and more significant ways if you are able to go from happiness into joy. So that's what I talk about is what he does in those darker times with you because he's actually pruning you to make you more productive. He wants you more fruitful. That is greater fruitfulness is joy rather than happy.
0: Now here, as we wrap up, I'd love to ask you this question. Um, So let's just say, you know, the moms out there listening, they go and they, uh, you have such incredible resources. They look at their personality, they're affirmed, they look at their the positive aspects, I love the fact that you did videos on you know superpowers. Now now I have this some new learning, some awareness of my personality. What are your recommended next steps to then maybe sit down with your husband or other people in your life or your kids and start using some of this knowledge to actually improve the relationships of those that are closest around us?
1: Absolutely. Depending on what seems most important, start with that one, because understanding what your husband's type, there is a basic personality test that's a download, a free download that a lot of people will get for other people in their life. So just print that off and let them take it. So that way, you know, you can also do a DISC personality test on another website that I have called Dale Wilshire Consulting. You can get on there and get a 15 page report. So that'll be a deeper dive. I'll have a lot of couples do that. I've certainly had all of my kids take it. Usually by that time they're about 16, you can get a really good response. And that will have a lot of uh, discussion about communication and the different types and what to look at. I think with families, I look at having a conversation around the table about saying, what do you see in your siblings? What do you see in your spouse that are strengths and how can our family benefit from that? How have they blessed us through that strength? How can we delegate more to them? How can we bring that out and what might be the weaknesses and how can we talk about that? So getting everybody clear on what the strengths are of each individual type. I believe it starts with the person and then you share it with others. And then to talk about what are the things that kind of, drive us crazy. How might those have sourced from strengths? How can we communicate around that? Of course, it all goes into deeper coaching questions that I think are very helpful. How are you going to use this? How are you going to steward it? How are you going to make decisions around your type? How if you were going to do one thing that was more authentic, what would that be? So, uh, you know, whether you get into a coaching relationship with me or someone else to be able to do that kind of work, this is just the start. But to use it as a springboard for, say, a mission statement, which then guides future directions, I encourage all moms, in addition to having a personal mission statement, to also have a mom mission statement, because the days Mm. that feel like Groundhog Day, where (laughs) you're like nothing but, you know, the same old stuff, and it feels insignificant compared to other things you've done outside the home. It's very important to tap into the purpose behind your design and how that speaks to what you want to do. Mine is to empower authenticity. Everything I do with my kids is about empowering authenticity. And empower is a word that's very true to my doer type. Um, So it's usually a verb and a value, and that's actually going up in the next newsletter. So lots of extra information on how to use these different things. But uh, really important to understand how to bring the best that you have to your family. They deserve more than anybody else.
0: Well, and I love that you said that too, because when uh, my wife joined me in business, right, we'd always – had different roles, right? When we decided about six years ago to start working together, we Mm -hmm. did the personality profile. And I'm a coach, but a friend of mine who was a coach, I said, I want you to facilitate this. And and we went through and we talked about strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh... That's why when she does this, it it gets on my nerves. But guess what? Yep. That's not her intention to be short or to come across as judgmental. She's actually trying to make things better and give really good advice. And here were things that I was doing that was affecting her. And I got to tell you, that was foundational yes. to not only for us to work together successfully, but it totally up leveled our relationship. We've been married now mm-hmm. 29 years, right? Yeah. So we've been through all kinds of stuff, right? And I got to tell you, it keeps getting better. Yeah, But you know what, though? It takes work, and it's stuff like this that is so important. And honestly, if you kind of look in the whole field of uh, EQ and emotional intelligence, the first foundational step in that is self-awareness. And that's really what you're talking about is yes. this is where all this starts. And the good thing is about EQ is it absolutely can be learned and taught and mastered. It's not like some other areas of our life that are kind of, it is what it is, right? Mm -hmm. So anyway, thank you for what you're doing. I love this. So the website again, everybody, is yourauthenticpersonality.com. Take the mom quiz. I'd love for you to go to the Eternal Leadership Facebook page and when you hear this and post what yours was and let's yeah you can share it share some thoughts and tag Dale on there and yeah uh, love it anyway. Thank you, Dale, and I look forward to seeing you in person again soon since you're here in Colorado.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Take
2: care. All right.